What's up guys, Mitch from RespectMyReason.com coming back from 2021 MJ BizCon here in Las Vegas. Today I have Alex Levine, the Chief Business Development Officer of Green Dragon. How are you doing today, my guy? I'm doing okay. Awesome, man. So I know we were talking a little bit off mic, a little bit about your, your history, but could you give, my, uh, give me a little bit of introduction of yourself in terms of the cannabis industry? You know, what's, what's your history around the, the plant in this industry? Yeah. So cannabis is something that I, it's been a part of my life for a really long time. And, you know, very early on, I, I was always looking like how it was something I was passionate about, but I, it didn't seem like a viable career until one day it did. And I was like, oh, I need to get into this industry any way I can. And uh, that, you know, long story of how we, we got to this point, but basically got involved with a company in Colorado uh, that back then was called Greenworks. Uh, is now called Green Dragon. I'm also a co-owner of the company as well and uh, have been doing this for six, six-ish years okay. now. So pretty, pretty long time. Yeah, a, a veteran in this space, right? Because you guys are also in Florida, which is, how long has medical really, like, really been a, a thing down in Florida? I, I believe since about 2014, but we, we were looking to get into Florida say like end of like 2016 or 17 and we were going to apply for a license but it became pretty clear that they weren't going to give out any more licenses so and they and they haven't you know so we were correct on that so we kind of switched into like acquisition mode like can we acquire a license it seemed kind of unlikely but we we pulled it off and uh, we closed on that at the end of 2019 so we're one of the 22 or 23 licensees in, in Florida now wow and so what 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 has been like one of the biggest aha moments or things that have stuck out to you being in the oldest adult use market in the country in Colorado and one of the newer markets I mean obviously it's been around since 2014 but the, the hype around Florida has really been the last few years since you guys got into it um, what are some of the the differences and just things that have stuck out to you from a, an established more mature market and a more infant medical market yeah I, I still I firmly believe that Florida is a pretty immature market like sure. relative especially like compared to Colorado which is like a very well-established like it's been through ups and downs and i think like it's a pretty mature market uh it's i mean i i, I say this and people like kind of laugh like, like oh florida's so competitive i'm like compared to colorado i'm like it's not competitive at all like relatively speaking there's only like 300 something dispensaries in the entire state of florida which has like five times the population approximately of colorado right. And Colorado still has double dispensaries right. of Florida. So it's like, it's way more competitive in Colorado. And the price points are way lower in Colorado. And we're still successful and profitable in the Colorado market. So like by comparison, Florida's like, go, you know, it's, it's not a walk in the right. park, but like from our experience, it's like, this is a lot easier in a, in a lot of ways. Right, I think it's probably more competitive getting into the market, right? With that limited amount of, a limited availability of licenses, right? It makes it a little bit more competitive to, to get your skin in the game. But once you're there, there's a little bit less competition. Than I, I yes and no. I mean, yes, it's very, very hard. I mean, just, as I said, there's only 22 or 23 licenses in the entire state. But once you're there, it's like, okay, well now you gotta like, like you gotta perform. I mean, so it's like you, you have to be fully vertical. So you can't rely on other people growing for you. You can't rely or like you can't I mean like you can't buy other people's flour. You can't buy other people's edibles. You have to do everything yourself. So you have to know how to do those things. And I think a lot of these other players, especially when they got into Florida, they didn't know how to do any of these things. They just got the license and had to like kind of figure it out on the fly. Whereas we, you know, are 
ha have competency in, in cultivation and, and manufacturing and retail and medical and all these things. So it's not like we're having to learn how to do these things. We already know how to do it. It's just kind of like implementing the business plan and that's what we're doing. So we're able to kind of, you know, yeah, we're a little late to Florida, but like we can move a lot faster and you know, than a lot of these other players. Taking that knowledge and that SOPs, everything from, from that market, you know, the market in Colorado. It's, unfortunately in the cannabis industry, you have to replicate, like you can't be like, we've built this great facility in Colorado. Let's move the weed from here. It doesn't like, you have to literally buy, this is like unique to the cannabis industry. Cause like if you're a, you know, you start a soda company, you know, you can build one factory and supply the entire country. You know, if you're Red Bull, you can supply the entire world. They're doing it all from like Europe, basically. Right. So like, that's other industries. Cannabis is like, oh, you built a great, you know, Operation Colorado, build it again, do it exactly again, double, you know, all your equipment. Then if you do it again, then you're tripling all your equipment. It's like, it's very, it's kind of wasteful in that respect, but that's, that's the rules. And you know, I don't, don't see those changing anytime soon. So yeah, we know how to, we can, we can replicate the business model. Yeah. It's painful to do so, but we sure that's the cannabis industry for it. And you. there's nuance of regulation, right? Between each state of what products you can offer, what promotions you can run. Yeah. You know, the sales process is, is very the distribution process is very different. And so between the two states, do you feel like there's anything we don't gotta bash either one, but do you feel like there's anything that one state has like really gotten the aspect of the supply chain of cannabis, recreational can or not recreational, but you know, cannabis for sale? whether it's medical or recreational, are there any things about individual markets that stick out as like, wow, that's done really well? Yeah, every just every state is so different and there's so many like little quirks and nuances. Has any state gotten it perfect? No, but that's never really a realistic expectation. But I, I, there's certain things, like I think one thing that really hampered, like really, really like affected the Colorado market in a very negative way as compared to other states, were the, these tremendously restrictive caps on cultivation. So in Colorado, there's this concept of plant counts where you can't have, like you, you have a certain license and that license allows you a certain number of plants and you can, you can tear up. So you can increase, you know, every six months you can apply for a tear up, but that's such a slow process. Basically, if you're a company starting from scratch in Colorado, it would take you years, like literally years and years and years, and this is still in place today, to get to a point where your production is even profitable sure. or even like reasonably productive. So I, I, I understand why those rules were put in place, but functionally it just hinders people's ability to operate properly right. and it, it just, it's not very efficient. Whereas in, like, in a state like Florida, you're, you can cultivate as much as you need and, uh, you know, obviously we have to, culti you know, we, 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 we can't buy anyone else's flowers, so we have to grow all of that sure. ourselves. But I, I kind of like this model where, like, it's, a, it's less restrictive. Like, this, this cap on production is, is so inefficient and crazy. Other states have kind of, like, done, like, hybrid models where, like, it's not on plant counts, it's on, like, canopy yep. size. Yep. But that also gets weird because how do you, some states define canopy differently and people get a little... Like plant count, you can't mess with. It's right. like it's like they're in metric. You know, it's the state tracking system. It's like you either have 100 plants or you don't. It's like you know you, you can't have 102. It's you can't go over 100. But canopy is like this like weird like well like what if they like go into the aisle a little bit or like are we really define we're defining it at the edge of the bench, not anything that hangs over the bench. Like it starts getting weird. So that's hard to define. 
I get it, like from a legal perspective. Yeah. But like, it's, it's. Uh, I, I think there just has to be like a reasonable expectation of like if you're allowing dispensaries, you have to kind of allow the production in lockstep sure, with it. Like they sure. have to, they have to match. Like in Colorado, there was a massive disconnect for like stores, like stores, like we're going to give out tons of store licenses, but then like the cultivation was like, wait, we can't keep up. Like there is no literally by statute, we can't keep up with the amount of stores because you're literally not letting us grow and everyone's in the same boat, you know? So I don't know that that's, that's, I think something that's kind of like the, the whole industry, the whole country legislators, lawmakers are figuring this stuff out, but it's like, there has to be consistency between the different pieces of the right, uh, right. legal framework. And as the market matures, we'll probably see that just the economic supply and demand, you know, normalize. Because you see the same, you know, Oklahoma, they gave them the free market, right? How you've got 2,500 bucks and you're a resident, you get a license. And yeah. now we're seeing crazy oversupply. California's starting to see oversupply. Oregon's been seeing an oversupply. But then states, you know, I'm in Washington and I know from all of my, you know, dispensary clients and places I shop, most of them can't keep enough top shelf on the, on, you know, because of similar, most of the top shelf brands were limited to a canopy size. And now how do we double this facility? It's a significant investment, right? right? And so it's, so people are locked into these supply chain issues. And definitely something I think we'll see change as the industry as a whole matures. How much are you guys have your eye on expanding to other states and just the impending you know, federal legalization, or how much are you just focused on just doing what you're doing now in these two states and really killing it? Well, we're definitely going deeper in the markets that we're already in. So uh, Colorado, Florida, uh, California as well, where we're expanding into kind of physical like sure. storefronts. Uh, ease, ease with the delivery has been kind of like non-physical storefronts, like that's like delivery. So kind of adding that there. And then they also just launched delivery in Michigan. So probably we'll do a similar model in, in Michigan. But yeah, we're going deeper in all those markets. And yeah, we're looking to add uh, a few, at least a few more states. So we have some things in the works right now, but nothing nothing finalized yet. But. And so what was the partnership with Ease? What was like, what was the real tipping point for like, this is something we want to do. This is the, this is really the why, like, what was that for that? Yeah, and it's more than just a sponsor, uh, partnership. We're, 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 we're merged, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, it's, it's in process, but it's like 95% complete. But yeah, it's uh, basically, you know, they were looking for like a best in class operator because they, they don't know how, they, they don't run dispensaries, they don't do cultivations, they don't do manufacturing. And those are the things that, that's our bread and butter. That's what, that's what we do, we're just, we're just operators. Uh, that's, our, that's our model. And we, on our end, we saw that like delivery is kind of like the final vertical. It's like the last like piece of this industry. It's the last piece of the puzzle. And it's something I think will be come increasingly important. I mean, you look at like any other industry, the food industry, uh, like whatever, you know, you have an e-commerce, you have a website or you like your clothing company. It's all delivery. Yep. Like, like consumers want delivery. So I see that being a huge, huge part of the cannabis industry. And it's, I basically had, we had a choice. Like we had to learn how to become the best delivery company or we could, you know, we, kind of fate brought us to to ease and they were like wait you know we're looking for operators we're like well we don't want to learn how to become the best delivery platform <laughs> you guys are that and you know delivery frankly is a is a pain in the ass it's yeah. it's really it's a logistically it's it's hard to do if you're uber eats which is like there's very little regulation there comparatively and the cannabis is a controlled substance right. so it's like 
you just made like delivery's already hard and just dealing with the logistics of it, let alone all of the regulations on top of it. So right. like for cannabis. So they've already cracked that piece of the puzzle and they have like the you know the technology to support it and the the app, like the most popular cannabis app on the app store. So like it just it was it was the first people we've ever spoken with in the industry were like, oh like a kind of like joining forces here makes all the sense in the world. So that's uh, that's why we did it, and we're, we we we're stronger together, and you know we're we're gonna you know keep you know our our, our two business models combined. We're gonna continue rolling out to uh, you know really rolling them out in the states that we're in, but also adding it to like new states. Awesome. As well. Yeah, no, and that's a perfect. I mean, I, I totally can identify with not wanting to get into that whole mess because you I mean. Amazon like broke our postal system, which is yeah. <laughs> you know one of the longest standing distribution models in the entire country, you know, and yeah. and Amazon broke them with you know just the way that delivery exploded. And so to to circle back on that, like you know, my thought is, and you can tell me if you agree or you can challenge, I don't care, but you know, my thought is as this industry matures, right, and brand loyalty stamps out at a higher level, delivery will be more increasingly popular, right? Because I feel like the dispensary just holds such an important model of come in, let me look at these things that I don't quite understand, recognize yeah. logos and symbols and strains and get educated. But once somebody's further down that mature, mat the maturity line of the consumer funnel, now I just want to go direct to, now I know what I want. I just want it either the most convenient way or the cheapest way, right? Yeah. And I, and as like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I see that necessarily as like the cannabis, I mean, the cannabis industry is changing and morphing and maturing, but I see that as more just like, that's just like a trend. Sure. Not even nationwide, like worldwide people just really love delivery. And I have to say like, personally, I'm not that consumer. I don't, I don't use any of the food delivery platforms. I don't, I don't really, I don't, I like going to stores. Call me weird. I like going to restaurants, <laughs> but I'm I am the minority like everyone likes getting their stuff delivered the convenience yeah. is key and that's just a trend you see everywhere cannabis you know be damned it's it's, it's everywhere so it's uh, yeah it's like you better you know you want to be in this industry in a few years you better be good at delivery so we we that's kind of our bet we see that and that's that's why we just felt you know join joining forces here made all the all the sense in the world Awesome. That's awesome to hear. And so something else I want to ask about is, you know, the term MSO has a little bit of a bad stigma at some points in the world of cannabis. As you guys face challenges around, you know, and at this point there are cultural brands that are legacy cultural brands that are now in multiple states and technically MSOs, but still there's somewhat of a weird stigma around that. What have the challenges that that has proposed to you or is it not too much of a concern because, you know, honest, I'm, I'm, I'm from this culture, but I also understand the inevitability of scale. The, the goal is to grow a business and go new places, so. I don't think the term MSO, uh, I, I, I don't think the stigma with that is, is actually based on the fact that you're just an operator in multiple states. Sure. Like no one says about In-N-Out Burger, like they're an MSO, they're in multiple states. It's like, well, they're like one cohesive company sure. that has a vision and is kind of like rolling out this product and, and service. Uh, I think the stigma with the MSO term actually comes more from like, it's referring to a type of owner, a sure, type of sure. operation. It's saying, you know, when you, oh, they're an MSO, that's basically saying that's a fine, that's like a, that's like a, you know, uh, those are finance people. 
who don't care about cannabis, who don't care about cannabis operations, who look at the cannabis industry not from a place of like passion or compassion. They just look at it as like something to be bought and sold sure. and traded. And they just buy companies like, you know, cannabis companies like they buy any other company. They don't give a crap if it's a cannabis company or a widget company. It doesn't, it, it's the same thing to them. And it's coming from this very cold, heartless place. Sure. And they just gobble up with, you know, because they raise tons of money. They just gobble up different operations. There's no cohesion to their brands. There's no anything to their brand. It's just a collection of assets. And that's where I think the negative stigma of the term MSO comes from. It's not It's not the fact that you're in multiple states. Sure. As I said, no one's like, you know, ew, you know, whatever. Like, you know, as I said, like In-N-Out Burger or something. Like, no one's like, oh, ew, they're in multiple states now. Maybe there are some people who are like that, but like, <laughs> I don't think that's the issue. The issue is just like, it's more of like this type sure, of company. Sure. It's this like faceless, just like banker run kind of, soulless just like we're just gobbling up cannabis assets sure. in every state and like that's that that couldn't be any further from what we are so we've never had that l gotcha. leveled against us or even like because like this is not what we're doing like we're boots on the ground cannabis operator uh, cannabis operators in colorado california florida and now michigan we're really running the company we care about the product we put out we care about the services we offer whereas i think a lot of these other companies they're just like hodgepodge kind yeah. of uh, amalgamations of, you know, just like they just threw cannabis companies together into a pot. Right. And they're like, invest in this, you know, bundle of cannabis companies. That's, I think, the issue. I think that's what people have an issue with. No, that's a great point. And it's definitely the finance side, the financial PR side. You know, there's a lot of things that I think rub people the wrong way. I just, I just had to ask, is it something I, as I've traveled more, you know, coming from the Pacific Northwest, very craft market, we're not as MSO as yeah. East Coast, right? Which is where, that's where that's blown, Midwest, East Coast, that's where it's blowing up. Um, and as I've traveled there more, it's definitely, you see, see th some things that might fit the stigma, but you also, you know, the people out there that aren't, haven't gone that route and might buy into the stigma. I've met a lot of people that, just happen to get the right partners in the right area to allow them to really leverage, you know, financial backing and scale their business at a very large level, but really come from the culture and really come from, like you're saying, hands on the plants, care, care about the industry. It's not just a sexy investment portfolio to get a high valuation and skate out with a check. That's right. And it's pretty easy to, you can see what companies are, are, you know, are, are doing what, like, Whatever, say what you want about Green Dragon, but like we we are really like boots on the ground operators doing this day in day out. Running this company is what what we do. Uh, it's yeah, those those other people. It's it's just very clear. It's just like they're just kind of gathering cannabis assets. That's the business model. Sure. How those individual companies operate, they don't really care. It's not that important to them. It's just building that portfolio of cannabis companies and like i i don't know how important that's going to be but consumers definitely see it yeah they definitely notice it like people are definitely like oh that's that oh they just got bought by them ew yeah. like there's definitely a little bit of that i can't say from our perspective that we we see anything like that because okay we merged with ease now we offer delivery it's the same company like this the, nothing has changed it's the same people running it as it was before now with like a little bit more resources and kind of like a bigger team, but it's it's the same thing. Yeah. Also, I think a lot of these companies also they change a lot. Like when they they sell out. I mean, like I think that's the other thing is like a lot of these companies are 
selling out to the man, you know, these like bigger MSOs. And that's not like what our situation is. Our situation is really, we're just like, we're kind of like two cannabis companies like teaming up and we tackle different aspects of the industry. So it's just like a different story, you know? So it's not something that we've had to deal with. It's not affecting you. That's great insight. Yeah. That's re I really appreciate it. I know that's a weird question, but it's a great insight to just that conversation because sometimes it's a hot topic, sometimes it's not, but I just think it's a good conversation that people aren't really discussing about. It's like opinions one way or the other, but people aren't really talking about it, providing context. And so. I, think, I, think it's, I think it's very valid. I think it's very valid criticism when people are like, oh, that's just like, just like that MSO. I'm like, I, I, I agree. Like, I, I don't think that feeling is invalid. It's like, no, you are absolutely, you are dead on the money there. Like, yes, these are <laughs> finance types who, you know, ec private equity people, venture capitalists who could not care any less of a crap about what they're selling, the quality of what they're selling, as long as it's like numbers on a page. Sure. As I said, it could be cannabis, it could be widgets. They don't care, and then they'll just move on to the next thing. There's no interest in the industry at all. So, yeah, there is a lot of that. I'm sick of it. It's annoying, but uh, easier competition for me, yeah, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Like, it, like, in some ways, it's like, I, I'd rather deal with the, like, soulless, faceless <laughs> MSO that can't grow weed for crap yeah. and their product sucks so like that to me it's like all right bring it on yeah those are not the people i'm too concerned about honestly <laughs> that's a great take that's a great take yeah. i appreciate that so before i know we're about to reach that at the time but is there anything else you'd like people to know about green dragon any shameless plugs or anything like that well uh we just started cannabis delivery in colorado which is a very you know recreational cannabis delivery at least is very new for colorado so we have that rolled out and it's only in aurora right now okay. but we have two stores in aurora but if you go to greendragon.com you can you can do deliveries uh, or get weed delivered to your house if you're in those cities uh denver's coming soon as well uh stores are open if you're a medical patient in florida those those stores are opening up we're, we're shooting to have 20 to 25 locations very very soon at least secured i don't know if they'll all be open by the end of this year but that's what we're we're trying to move as fast there's not a lot of time to do things but we got to move quickly there so we're uh, popping stores up in florida and uh yeah ease delivery all through the state of california so awesome, are, awesome man. that's what we got going on awesome well, and michigan and michigan and michigan, and michigan. certain awesome. markets four four markets awesome well i really appreciate you alex hopping on here and, and chop chopping it up with me today talking about the business and the industry um thank you man yeah my pleasure